On Education is sponsored by Participate, a community learning platform where the world learns together. Later in the episode, we'll hear about one of Participate's communities, Teach the Global Goals, and how you can get involved in its free community learning opportunities with educators around the world. We start counting calories. It's, it's a little terrifying how much we intake every day. Especially uh, at, with the guy, under the guise of thinking you're being healthy, like orange juice. Oh, no, right? don't touch orange juice. No, that's right? a, it's, that's a it's rookie like move we, on Sunday. You don't touch orange juice in your mimosas. You, you, just, you just do the champagne. Wait, I'm sorry. I got lost. That, wasn't, that was not what we're talking about. I got lost. I, sorry. I like it. Welcome to On Education, part of the On Podcast Media Network. My name is Mike Washburn. And I'm Brad Streffler. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. We talk about the new jobs for Mike and I, some more changes to the future of the pod, and our guest this week is the one and only master digit, Noah Geisel. I dig. I dig Noah Geisel. I dig. I'm all dig on Noah Geisel. So we took two weeks. We took two weeks off, and it's funny. We used to always joke that when you take too much time off so much shit happens that you gotta spend the first 20 minutes of the podcast catching up on everything that's happened over the last two weeks so that's exactly what we get to do um right now um um and, and there's I, some and I, there's some big things like there's <laughs> <laughs> big things have happened um so obviously um just to 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 address it glenn um has has left on education um, as a as a co-host, um, you can go and check out his his tweet on on the Twitters uh, for why. Because I have no desire to speak for him at, at all, or put words in his mouth, or, or anything like that. Um, and you know, obviously, we had some amazing times together. It was two hundred ish episodes, um, tons of work, um, tons of you know, uh, busy nights, you know, and, and, and I appreciate, uh, Glenn and, and all of the time he invested in, in this. And I think, you know, his legacy on the podcast is, is strong. Um, and, and so we wish, we wish Glenn all the, all the best. Um, he was a great co-host. It was, I mean, you, you all know, and anyone that, has listened to the last few episodes I've been on. Like I'm was so excited to come join this team to be a part of it and, and join Mike and Glenn. I I've been fortunate enough to hang out with them both in person and, and get to sort of get to know both of them as, as friends over the last few years. And so, you know, I'm, I'm certainly sad to see Glenn go, um, you know, but it, it it's like you said, not going to put words in his mouth. Sad to see him go. Glad he's making the best choice for him. And, uh, excited for uh for what we can do you know yeah so i mean i guess i I could also spend a couple seconds and just say that you know brad and i are talking all the time um similar frankly to the way that glenn and i talked about the podcast and its direction and, and and talked a lot about the future and um you know we we have a a sponsorship deal uh with our friends at participate um we have that until the end of november um, so I, I can promise you that you're going to continue to hear from us um, every week between now uh, and the end of November for sure. 
Um, but, you know, Brad and I, and we're going to talk about it in just a minute, we're really, really, really busy. We <laughs> may be two of the busiest people that you folks out there listening know. And with so with that being said, I mean, um, I am editing the podcast now, which is not I have never I edited. If you're an OG listener of the podcast, you know that I edited the the beta episode of the podcast. And that's it. That is my on education editing career. And last uh, episode you edited the last episode, except for the last episode um and so um i am editing the podcast i have not enough time to do it i um am anticipating it being uh um, full of mistakes um but we're gonna get through that um brad and i will continue to talk about how it's going how we feel how the future might look and and frankly make a make a decision probably around the end of october about what to do uh going forward um, I, I, I think there are some ways to continue it. We've talked about those. And I think I, I, I think that there is a good possibility that we end the, the run as well. I, I would put it at 50 50. Um, but we're gonna we have some great episodes coming up, tons of amazing interviews. Um, we have a, a whole series of ISTI um, related interviews coming up with tons of great books that we're starting to get in the mail. Um, now um, and and we're really excited to talk um, to those authors um, who some of them we've had on the podcast before and are writing their next books uh, which is also great um, so uh, don't go anywhere we're not going anywhere either uh, at least for a little while and um, we still got some great conversations including and, one with noah and you know i was gonna say we got an episode with noah coming up i think we have thoroughly proven tonight that not only will you continue to get episodes at least until november they're probably going to get longer because mike and i both don't know how to shut up <laughs> maybe that's why glenn left i, I just couldn't too. shut up enough he couldn't take it anymore he's, <laughs> he's like wait like, we brought brad on and he talks as much as mike Ooh, oh i'm out i'm out, <laughs> I'm out. Um, so, so today was my first day, uh, I'm exhausted by the way, like I, my eyes are watering, I'm like yawning and muting my mic well in mid yawn constantly during the, the last hour that we've been talking and, uh, it's because today's my first day at paper, uh, paper.co. Uh, no, knowing you were doing this today, like, I, cause we do talk all the time. Like you said, I've kind of intentionally not asked you about how today has gone. Cause I knew we were going to record and I wanted to be able to get like first takes on air. So like, Ooh, how man. was it? What, what, what was your day like? What does this new role look like for you? Like what's going on, man? Yeah. So the, the title is director of community paper is very quickly growing um they added 20 people today like today is today's onboarding was 20 people and they've been adding you know 10 to 15 people uh, uh every two weeks um for uh, uh the last couple months growing very quickly they do an amazing thing brad and, and i honestly i can't believe that no one's done it before um and 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 cracked this this model which is delivering tutoring at the district level so selling a platform a tutoring platform to the school districts so not selling it to parents because the problem with tutoring the problem with any sort of educational support service is that typically only the rich kids could 
get something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are typically also the kids, ironically, that need it the least. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, kids that get tutoring um, in the past have been also the kids that have been capable of advocating for themselves um, and telling people what they need and then getting it and expecting to get it. And um, with paper, what you get is an army of tutors um, that are normally um, university, um, you know, graduates uh, or high level, you know, even supply teachers, um, you know, um, you know, offering tutoring and everything from math to computer science, basically any almost any subject. There's a whole list on the website and um, and selling it to the district so that every single student in the district can just go online to to, to paper right now and, and and talk to someone about what they're having a problem with with their work. And and what I love about it the most or among many things is that they don't the tutors don't give the kids the answers because that's not proper tutoring when you're you know, you don't get that's not help. That's just providing the answers. So because they're trained as educators in most cases, you know, they understand that just giving the child the answer to the math question isn't actually teaching them anything, um, but walking them through the solution and then allowing the students to solve the, solve it themselves um, with the assistance of someone um, is, is, is amazing. And, and I honestly think that this is the type of service that could change kids' lives um, because there are tons of parents that work nights, that work midnights, that are, you know, even, you know, our, our office jobs and so busy and pandemic and whatever and, and or don't have the requisite skills to help their kids in math. For example, like I couldn't help my, my, my grade eight son with his math very well. Uh, I'm just not good at it very you know um i i could help them write a paper i you know history stuff social studies but but math i would struggle with um and i certainly wouldn't have the patience probably to edit an essay uh for him or anything like that um but you know this on this you can actually upload your essay to paper and get it edited and annotated um with notes and feedback by a by a paper tutor which is wild to me and that's free mm. at the point of use to every student in the districts that sign on um mm. so super excited um to to my job is going to be to talk to talk to educators um and 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 build build community in tons of different ways um uh you know obviously there's a need for an online sort of community platform so that educators in California can connect with educators in Florida that are both using paper and want to learn how to apply it to their classrooms the best. Hmm. So definitely connecting with educators um, a lot more than I was at, at Participate, uh, which was definitely getting out of kind of the K to 12 space. And I wanted to get, I wanted to kind of stay talking to teachers and educators, which is kind of what I do best. Yeah, and I think that was, you know, as as you and I have talked over the last year or so, and we've done multiple different projects together and different things, and, you know, I worked with Participate a little bit here and there, you know, they were, like you said, sort of pushing away from that, um, and, and that just wasn't where they were successful, you know, and it is what it is, like, it's it's fine, 
but I think that the idea, like you said, building community is something that you have done so well historically. But like you said, I, I love the idea of a, a district-wide tutoring platform because right now, you know, I think about my district and, and we're a tremendously large district and each individual school kind of has their own, you know, choices of of um, of, of tutor support and, and, and tutoring options and everything else. And, and we're spending probably a ton of money doing all these different, like, different pieces, like these, mm. these disconnected pieces. But if we had one central system, like, I think there could be a lot of value in that. So, you know, hashtag not an ad, maybe an ad. I don't know. But for me, not an ad. I, you know, I, I think there could be value in it. I, I look forward to the 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 community you're able to build around it because you know I think where you have gone community has been built so I think that'll I think certainly they got a they got a good hire there and uh, I'm excited to see where it goes man that's gonna be cool awesome thanks how how's your first week of school been it happened <laughs> um so yes yeah, so let's see we're recording this on Monday and last week was my first week as an AP with students you know it's yeah. uh, you know we did pre-planning week the week you and I were off we didn't mm-hmm. we didn't record you know and so that um that was a lot uh, dealing with teachers that part's easy I don't stress about being around teachers you know and my dad was making fun of me and um, he was like oh well you know this Monday, we didn't have kids until Tuesday, but Monday we had our last like a opening week procedures, and I had to present to the to the whole staff. And multiple people made jokes about, "Oh, you got to stand up in front of a bunch of people." And I'm like, "Do you guys not realize I'm on a mic like at least once a week in front of however many people? Like this doesn't bother me. I can be in yeah, front yeah, of an yeah. audience easy. Like that's fine. This is easy. Um, you know, sitting in front of a parent and talking about graduation requirements that's terrifying. Like one parent one on one, no, don't want to do that. Have to do it every day." Don't want to do it. Standing in front of 200 people? Meh, that's easy. Um, but no, it's, you know, that part of my job is easy. It's the week with kids has been um, has been a lot harder than I think I expected it to be. I, I think a lot of it is my own stress I put on myself. I've, I've been super reflective for the last week of, you know, the first day of school was not nearly as smooth as I would have liked. It's not as smooth as I have experienced first days at other schools, which means that I, there are people that are better than me, and that hurts me. I don't. I'm mm. not good with that. I don't like that. Mm. Um, you know, and people. You know, the thing people say all the time. They're like, "Well, but for your first year as an API, that was a great first day." And I'm like, "Well, that's the same thing as saying you didn't suck for someone who's never done this before." Like, I don't need to be better than someone that's never done this before. I need to be better yeah. than the people that have done it before. Like, that's yeah. I don't. That's a useless compliment. That just makes me feel worse about myself. Thanks. Um, but that's my own issues to deal with. I'm working through. Um, but, no, it's it's been interesting. You know, jumping from middle school back to a high school, even though I worked at high school before, and then jumping from a coaching position into an AP position, there's, um, there's like, a lot of, uh, a lot of change there. And so it's been, um, there's a lot of learning curve. I am tremendously thankful, and I will publicly say a thousand times that my leaders, my guidance team is amazing. And mm-hmm. I would probably not have the time to even do this recording if it weren't for them. So they are awesome, and I could not be happier with the team I am with. Um, and that was, you know, not my choice. I just kind of got stuck with them, and I could not have been happier to be stuck with this group of people that are just crushing it every single day our student information system has been in and out all week our google Mm. drive is in Mm -hmm. and out all week i can't Mm. run reports correctly 
they are it takes twice as long as it should three times as long as it should to write a kid's schedule everything is like every hurdle that could have been thrown in front of us has been thrown at us and my team has just said all right let's go and they just get to work and i could not ask for more than that and so my own stressors aside i'm very happy with where i am i think we did great work the last week and i'm excited to like bring this group of seniors to graduation and be ready to bring the next group next year and just kind of do this thing i don't know it's cool it's it's been stressful but as of today i feel pretty good about it it's a learning experience man you gotta learn how to do it sometime so you know just like everything and sometimes you're gonna have crappy days you're gonna have days where it doesn't go exactly the way that you thought i mean we made tons of mistakes on on the podcast and we've all probably made tons of mistakes in our jobs and you just you learn and you move on and you don't make the same mistake again it's uh i have no doubt with your work ethic and 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 that sort of stuff that that you're gonna you're gonna do just fine uh even better not to get in your head better than just fine um (laughs) you're gonna do you're gonna do great um so uh kudos to you and 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 starting starting that new adventure um it's a lot of fun speaking of adventures speaking of adventures yeah you're already shaking your head so so um i've known i i'm more active now than i've ever been in my life um i i that's like i i can preface everything i'm about to, to to talk about or whatever with that i am exercising more than i've ever exercised in my life um but i am not losing a a ton of weight so i'm uh you know and i need to uh so i'm 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 on a bit of a diet and uh it's been tough man it's been tough Mm -hmm. um but i am learning um a, a, a little bit about myself and and about you know portion control i think is the thing that i'm learning about the most and how much i eat especially bread I'm mm. learning a bread lot about. Bread will kill you. I'm learning literally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> bread will kill you literally. Yeah. Uh, sounds like a show title. Um, <laughs> bread will kill you literally. That's the name <laughs> of the show. The uh, the amount of bread that I eat without and the amount of bread I eat while thinking I'm eating healthy mm-hmm. is crazy, uh, and I am I am eating significantly less bread. Um, but like, for example, I, I would think, you know, a healthy lunch is like, um, you know, a, 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 a little salad and, and maybe, uh, uh, a couple crackers or, or something like that, or some chips, uh, and then, and then a couple, and then two sandwiches. And I'm like, damn, this is a, this is a healthy lunch. I'm feeling great about my healthy lunch. And, you know, and then you realize that it's, you know, now I'm thinking. Even with, like, white bread, two sandwiches, you're at, like, 450 calories just in bread alone. So Yeah, yeah. it's like a 600-calorie lunch, man. It's not a a healthy lunch. No. There are way less healthier lunches. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, But, you know, and there is a sliding kind of scale. And you can, you know, when you're losing, eating to lose weight, you can offset, you know, that's. 
it's not like like you know like carbon carbon credits or bullshit right like that that's that's <laughs> you know you're just polluting and and using other people's pollution to pollute you know or whatever but this you can like i i can like eat a light lunch because i know i'm gonna have like something more calories for dinner or something like that but still like uh, you know that healthy lunch is 600 calories so now i'm i'm really trying to do this um and i'm seeing results but it's not the funnest Mm-mm. thing in the Mm-mm. world you know i do. i will say so i don't know if i've said this i don't think i've said this on on education but i used to weigh almost 300 pounds um and i think i knew this yeah i think i've talked about this with you but it was probably in private but I used to weigh almost 300 pounds. I currently weigh closer to 200. So I, and at one point I, I did dip back below 200. Um, it, currently I can fit in. Well, okay. Not currently pandemic has not been kind to me. So like I'm, it's a little tight, but I can still kind of fit in my high school tux. But anyways, not related. maybe related. I, want, anyways, I don't want to know when you've tried to fit into your high school tux recently, buddy. I, that's a story. It hasn't, I don't it hasn't been in the last couple, like last year, but I mean, in general, <laughs> I did try one time anyways. Um, but no, so I used to weigh 300 pounds and when my son was born or right before my son was born and he's now, he's now nine. So this will be almost 10 years ago that this all started that, you know, I kind of had this moment where it was, um, Hey, I'm not going to see my kid grow old. Like yeah. if I keep yeah. doing this, it's not, you know, and I was that high school kid that could eat 7,000 calories a day and never gain a pound. And then the freshman 10 became the freshman 30 and then the sophomore 30 and then the junior 30. And the, I mean, I was, I was 160 pounds when I got out of high school, you know, it's six to 160 pounds. I could not mm-hmm. gain weight if I tried. And then all of a sudden my metabolism was like deuces we left in high school, like we're done. And then it just went real uphill fast. Um, yeah. And so it wasn't until way later that I realized, hey, I might actually be big and uh, these shirts aren't just too small. And, um, you know, and so I started watching it. But, you know, it, it, for me, it was a very simple calculus. And I, and I tell people this all the time when they talk about dieting. It's your body is really a simple machine. Like it's a very simple. It is calories in, calories out. And like if there's a deficit, if you eat less than you burn, you lose weight. If you yeah. eat more than you burn, like you gain weight it's a pretty simple calculus you know and and all these fad diets and all these things about oh low like a low carb diet okay yeah that works because carbs generally speaking weight to calorie ratio are significantly higher than pretty much anything else so like it works because if i avoid potatoes and bread i can eat as many vegetables as i want and as much as i want to eat vegetables i will never hit 2,000 calories a day like i could just i could just take in zucchini all day every day and just constantly every second of my day i could eat zucchini and i would never get to 2,000 calories like it just wouldn't happen so yeah okay cool low low carb whatever but and that's what it is. It's like when you realize, when you start counting calories, it's it's a little terrifying how much we intake every day. Especially uh, at, with the guy, under the guise of thinking you're being healthy, like orange juice. Oh, no, right? don't touch orange juice. No. That's right? A, it's, that's a it's rookie like move on Sunday. You don't touch orange juice in your mimosas. You, you just you just do the champagne. Wait, I'm sorry. I got lost. That wasn't that was not what we're talking about. I got lost. I, sorry. I like it. But yeah, because the because the orange juice is probably unhealthier than the champagne. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's the things that we eat under the guise of being healthy. That's that's the thing that I'm thinking about. You know, the most. 
Um, so today I had squash noodles with my spaghetti. Yummy. I um, like squash noodles. Squash noodles uh, are good. They're if they're okay. cooked right, they're fine. They're fine. Uh, I'm going to need to figure out how to cook them right. Yeah. I'll hook you up. I got some recipes. Because you can't, can't douse enough spaghetti sauce on squash noodles <laughs> to make them taste good at the moment. Um, so, so there's that. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I would like to eat the things I like to eat mm-hmm. <laughs> again. Yeah. Um, but I do need to spend this time learning a little bit more about balance and and what is good and not good and uh i'm so i'm i'm looking a lot i'm looking at a lot of labels um and 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 that kind of stuff it's for me it's it's you know it's been an educational experience um not all of it has been fun i've been fairly grumpy going to the grocery store a couple times (laughs) um as you walk by the chips and the and the and the uh and the beer and the you know the candy um and stuff like that but i know you and your candy man like it's it's there's there's probably candy within reach of you right now that there's you not could, no there's it's not. all gone it's all no, gone it's, there's no no dude there's a bottle of water right here and it's that's good it for you. good for you that's you it. know it, it's i will say hashtag not an ad again but you know my fitness pal is what got me through it man like because it's it forces you that awareness of going okay well if i want to eat these three crackers oh crap that's 150 calories. I could eat seven squash for 150 calories. I'll probably be more full off of seven squash than these three crackers. I should probably do that. Like it's, you know, it makes you, it makes you think about all those choices. And to this day, I mean, it's been years since I've effectively calorie counted, but that math in my head, like I can, I can look at what I've eaten today and go, Oh, I ate too much. I shouldn't have done that. And I'm going to pay for it later. But you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, <laughs> friends, we had an amazing chat with our friend Noah Geisel. Um, and and as, as Noah said uh, on Twitter, the takes were taken. Um, so enjoy, uh, enjoy our conversation coming up next uh, with Noah Geisel. It is like a spider web. These diverse interconnected spaces help and inspire us to understand, empathize, and take local action in our schools. That's Yahaira Guedes, a facilitator within the Teach the Global Goals community on Participate. The community is home to hundreds of resources, courses, and educators around the world, collaborating on how to bring the United Nations 17 Sustainable Development Goals into the classroom with our students and as a collective to be a powerful force to achieve the vision of a more peaceful, healthy, and equitable world. We'll hear more later in the episode from another community facilitator on why you should get involved. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Our guest today is no stranger to the podcast. easily the record holder for number of appearances has that has that market dominated um but he is the micro credentials program manager at the university of colorado boulder uh and a a great friend of the podcast noah geisel welcome 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 it's been a hot minute friend yeah it's so awesome to be here great to join you with with, uh co-host brad uh and and uh yeah i have a job now i'm not just 
a, a consultant and an adjunct. I, I actually have a boss. So, so tell us about the job because uh, obviously, um, uh, you know, working at Participate, I, w I was pretty in, in interested in, in what we were doing with badging and credentialing and, and definitely talked about it constantly at the company. Um, and we're really fascinated with um, you going to work for a university system in a role that literally had the word micro-credentials in the title, which is um, not super heard of still. Um, so, so tell us what you're doing there and, and, and the scope. And I'd love to hear all about it because it sounds awesome. It is so awesome. Thanks so much for asking. Yeah, we uh, th there's only a handful of folks that I've found in, in higher ed around the country that have something like that in their job title, where it's not just an add-on to their already overflowing plates. And so I just feel super fortunate. I, I learned that CU Boulder was going to have the job posting and said, that's my world. When that comes out, let me know. I'll amplify it, you know, and, and get the word out in the badging community. And, and then I saw the job post and I you know, showed it to my wife. I said, I, I think I need to apply for this. This looks like I had written my own job description. And and so I, I applied and was fortunate to get the job. I have an amazing boss. I, I'm housed in the office of the registrar at CU Boulder, SCO Buffs. And uh, for, for folks who don't know me, I live in Denver, Colorado. So it's right in my backyard. I didn't have to move for the job or anything. And uh, it, it's really cool what we're doing. You know, I, I think we're going to change the world. And uh, it's an opportunity to do it at a pretty big stage, you know, an R1 kind of top 50 school. And so it's just super prestigious. And there's a lot of executive level championship and, and word is spreading just really quickly. You know, I, I don't have time to do too much like marketing and selling internally for, hey, everybody, you know, come look at micro credentials. They, I, my door has been banged down, you know, virtually you know, day in, day out with, with folks saying, hey, can we do this? Would, would this be a good micro credential? And, and it is just one of the most exciting, privileged uh, places I've been in in, in my um, already really exciting and privileged career. So, are you are you helping professors add micro credentials to their courses, or are you helping the school add like prof professional development micro credentialing, or like what is the what are the lines like the pathways of credentialing that you're kind of working in? I'm, I'm super interested. Yeah, man, I mean, we are just in this amazing place of kind of being able to craft that and also go big at the same time. So I mean, we are very much that image of building the plane while we're flying it. And that's really scary. But so far, things are going really well. And so, you know, to answer your question, we have uh, opened things up to say that any unit on campus can, can um, propose a new micro-credential. So that could be professors, you know, out of their school, but it could also be uh, infrastructure and sustainability is an example on the non-academic side where you know they approach us saying you know we do all this training for frontline service employees and you know might we be able to credential their learning you know for custodians and bus drivers around you know basic computer literacy you know that, that helps them level up their you know readiness to do their job well for us but also you know probably helps you know advance their professional you know growth in, in the next job that they're going to apply for. I was going to say, I suspect for like upskilling, because um, obviously universities offer degree programs and master's degrees and graduate programs, but a lot of schools, a lot of university programs are like certificates where people go just to take like this one course, this one thing, um, and they're doing it for their job. They're not enrolled in like a, a program necessarily. They're just look they you know I mean some even get sent by their company or whatever to, to take a management or whatever course 
and and yeah. having that credential means you know that it's persistent like we you know we actually i don't think have talked enough about credentialing on the podcast because you know i i definitely think you know especially working at participate and mark and julie you know i'm definitely drinking the kool-aid for sure uh, at this point but i mean you know having having those artifacts of learning that they can then take and like you said show what they've learned you know in the in the real world as opposed to just like you know you know while i enjoy the value of points <laughs> and achievements and like badges in terms of like gaming and stuff like that this this actually means something right yeah, and you know, I, I think that that gamification piece is definitely inherent in anything where you're making you know progress monitoring goal setting visible for learners, right? So I, I certainly wouldn't want to discount that. I think that what's really unique about where the space is going now is uh, really just finely tuned focus on the credentialiness of the credentials, and so you know, really you know, moving like yes, this is powerful recognition. And we're also thinking really intentionally about who's the audience for this recognition, right? That this is not just for me and, you know, my mom's digital refrigerator on which you can display my digital badges, right? Like, we're really thinking <laughs> right, about right, right. A, a, an yeah. audience like a hiring committee, right? And, you know, for any listeners out there who are still in a place of kind of wrapping their heads around, what is this? Or is this a fad? You know, is this going to be one more flavor of the week, you know? I would invite you to consider the possibility that I'm not making it up when I tell you this is going to very quickly, sooner than you realize it, be ubiquitous. Um, you know, earlier, yeah. just last week at uh, Arizona State, you know, GSD conference, you know, there were slides from Coursera talking about this being the future. There were slides from Google Cloud that weren't even in presentations about micro-credentials that nonetheless had slides about micro-credentials where they were talking, you know, dollars, not in the millions or billions, but trillions in regard to micro-credentials. So I mean, this is not going away. Um, you know, Walmart is doing this internally for their employees. They just wrapped a pilot uh, earlier this spring with 90 stores and they are claiming that in the next year and a half, it's gonna roll out to every store and every job level from entry all the way up to general manager. And so, you know, we, we are in the very near future gonna be in a place where pretty much, you know, if you're into six degrees of Kevin Bacon, you know, you, you are going to yourself <laughs> or be within a degree or two of separation from someone who is earning, you know, digital badge credentials. Uh, I mean, Guild Education is talking about them now. You know, if you saw the, the news last week, the Target is now going to be, you know, providing college education plus books for all of their employees. That is through Guild. Uh, and so I mean, th th this is not going away and it is going to be yeah. ubiquitous. It's just a matter of what it looks like. And, and if it's, you know, exclusively through the lens of, of better, you know, more effectively and efficiently matching cogs to the industry wheels or, if it is uh, more human centered and really valuing the learners at the center of things. So, yes, I'm in. I'm all in. Um, <laughs> you know this about me. Uh, so I, I remember, and it was probably a while ago that I had you on my show, Noah, and we my old show, and we talked about this. And like we talked about just, you know, the the potential disruption to what we think of higher education that um, that micro credentialing could do, but I want to I want to zoom back in because I feel like we're we're talking at a thousand feet right now. And like Mike said, I don't know how often this has actually been really really dived into on on education. So just like in a brief primer, like what is micro credentialing in your eyes? Because I feel like the definition has changed over time anyways. But so like right now, currently in August of 2021, 
what is elevator pitch micro credentials? It is recognition and storytelling. And so, you know, just like we have certificates of achievement, diplomas, you know, you name it, Boy Scout badges, you know, I mean, it is powerful recognition. But, you know, what is transformative about digital badge credentials is not just you know, that we can take that certificate and make it digital and, you know, make it verifiable, right? It's not just something that you have and now you can attach it where you want on the consumer side, you know, a future employer, college admissions, you know, they can click on it and actually verify that it was issued by who you say it was issued by. You know, and so that that's a level of trust that, that goes beyond, you know, something like, you know, something that's mailed from the registrar's office, you know, no offense to, to where I work, but, you know, with, with a rubber stamp on the envelope, you know, with a piece of scotch tape over it, right? Like, these are secure, they're portable, they're owned by the learner once they're issued to them. You know, I, I think that's really powerful, but in addition to that, there's also this whole storytelling, you know, mechanism through the metadata. And so it's not just, here's this recognition. We can actually bake into that. Here's a description of what went on in this program. Here's the criteria that the learner had to meet. And when we issue it, we have the opportunity, you know, that hopefully everybody sees is to attach evidence to show how that learner yeah. met that criteria. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it almost starts to go to a place for anybody who's thinking, is that kind of like e-portfolio, you know, kind of world? And uh, yeah, it kind of is, right? If you picture, here's a credential that doubles as a portfolio for, you know, yes, we trust the CU Boulder brand and, you know, we can still validate for ourselves. You know, we can verify, we can click on and see the evidence that the learner provided in order to meet the criteria of that, uh, you know, program. And, and I, I guess one thing that you did point out on micro-credentials, you know, in a lot of spaces, the, the two words micro-credential, digital badge credentials are gonna be used interchangeably. One thing I have kind of noticed over the last uh, nine months in my job is that there are, um, in, in the higher ed space, the pattern and trend that I'm picking up on is micro-credential is being termed as more of a programmatic term. So you, you propose a micro-credential, your institution gets approved, learners declare or enroll in a micro-credential program, and digital badge credentials are what are issued that kind of tell the story of the learning achieving that happened as a part of micro-credential. So you, it almost might be analogous to, you know, a, a digital badge is to a micro-credential as a diploma is to a degree. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So like, so that's the, that's the 2021 view. And I, and I know I've talked to you about this before and, and I think that's probably changed over time, but I, I have to wonder, I mean, we, we have gone through obviously this tremendously transformative period in the last two years, well, almost, almost two years now, as we've gone through the pandemic and everything else. And all these people who maybe weren't online learners or never wanted to be online learners got thrown into a space that we all suddenly had no choice. Right. So has that caused in your experience and what you've been dealing with in the front lines of all this, has that caused an explosion in micro credentials? Is that just like a beautiful, like primordial soup where so much can rise out of it? Like, what is that? What has, what is the intersection of those things for you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I, I'd say that there, there probably have been, um, you know, certain amplification as certain folks who might not have been predisposed to things that are digital, you know, move more digital. I, I, I think that that's, you know, probably more of a byproduct than, you know, something that was focused on. I, I think that, you know, one thing that we'd be naive not to consider is that in certain places, you know, th this is about revenue, you know, th this is about how do we, you know, recognize market forces where people are seeking, 
you know, credentials in certain skills or competencies because employers are looking for those, right? And that's, and you know, as gaming guys, I, you you are, you know, no stranger to Epic Games and, and Unreal Engine. And, you know, as, in case you listeners don't know, Unreal Engine is this amazing tool. People can use it to create their own video games. You can also use it for really powerful 3D rendering outside the space of games. And so you have people going on Unreal Engine, earning digital badge credentials for skills, with that tool who are working for you know, BMW, who are working for Gensler Architecture, um, Lockheed Martin, you know, di- sending stuff into at the, to the space station. And so, you know, they, we'd be naive not to think that there's folks who are recognizing, oh, I, th- there is a market demand for credentials in these high demand skills. And so we're going to spin up micro-credential programs that we can sell as a way of, you know, you know, in this era of budget cuts, right? I mean, no college is, is thriving right now compared to where they were two years ago. And so, you know, th- there is certainly kind of an explosion on that front because of the revenue. But I think that, you know, it, it doesn't have to be this kind of evil corp sort of uh, uh, lens to it. There, there's definitely plenty of that, that yes, there's revenue and this is good for humans at the same time. I, I think that there's also, you know, just, over that same two years, it coincided with also just your know, digital badges turned 10 last summer and or this spring, actually. And so, you know, as a result, you know, it just went from what is this to, oh, I think I've heard of this to, oh, I've seen this or I have these myself. And so it's, it's also just in the maturation cycle. The last two years kind of fell to a place where a lot more people were in a place of being you know comfortable with wrapping their minds around it and, and saying, you know, this is not necessarily a threat to you know, my golden calf. And I, and I might be really excited and on board with this as a way to change the world. Awesome. Um, so we, you know, the, 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 the unfortunate byproduct of not having spoken to you um, on the podcast in a while is that we haven't done a dig it or ditch it in quite some time. Um, and Brad is dying to do dig it or ditch it. it so I first- don't, I don't know if everybody even knows this, but like I was actually supposed to host a live Dig It or Ditch It at Badge Summit like a summer and a half ago. Like before, if it had not been for COVID, there would have been a live Dig It or Ditch It where I would have been on stage with Mike and Glenn and Noah and we would have done like a live Dig It or Ditch It. And I had so many options available and now they're not relevant anymore. But still, I was so excited. All your hopes or dreams were dashed. And they were crushed. And now I'm a co-host on On Education. And I'm with Noah Geisel and Mike Washburn. And I get to do Dig It or Ditch It. We're doing it. We're doing it right now. We're doing it live. I'm a a hard dig on this. (laughs) (laughs) Hot take. Hard dig. Uh, Hot take. Hard dig. So So, Brad Brad has some topics. And then Noah has a topic. So we're doing four, it looks like. Yeah. And I'm, I'm here for it, so let's go. All right, so dig it or ditch it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a softball at you on the first one. I feel like this is a, a nice, easy one. We're going to talk, it, uh, as a Florida teacher, we have, uh, we have thoughts. So I'm going to throw up uh, mask mandates in school. Are we, are we digging mask mandates or are we ditching mask mandates? And Noah, you're the guest, so I'm going to let you go first. Uh, so I, I work on a campus in which uh, they have mandated mess on campus, and I, I am definitely digging it. You know, the, the folks who are making these decisions have access to you know, the best and, and most current, most reliable information that science, you know, can, can offer us. And, you know, I, as an English and Spanish guy, you know, don't, don't know enough to question that. And, and so I am a hardcore dig. 
yeah, as the as the as the Canadian socialist, I am also a hardcore dig uh, on mask mandates. They are still very actively in effect in Ontario, both in schools and in any public building that you walk into. You have to wear a mask in Ontario, um, and. You know, I, I do want to acknowledge that I don't wear a mask, have to wear a mask very often. The longest I've ever worn a mask is maybe 45 minutes when I've gone grocery shopping. I don't go to school. I don't teach in a classroom. Um, it, I imagine it sucks when you have to sit in a, an office all day wearing a mask. Um, and it can wear on you, both probably physically and maybe even mentally. Um, um but, uh, you know, I am, you know, I want to keep everyone alive. So I'm, I'm hard digging the mask mandates. So, yeah, so I, I, I can't even come in here and act like I'm a ditch it, even as a Florida teacher, because, like, I feel like Florida man should just throw down, like, no, you can't <laughs> tell me to wear a mask. Don't foul to my Florida or whatever stupid crap that my governor comes up with today. Um, that's how I get myself fired, by the way. It's on air. Uh, but anyways, I... I cannot pretend that I am a ditch it on mass mandates. I wish we would just mandate all of them. And, and we, we don't really in my state because we make our own decisions here. But I, what I will say is I, I, the closest thing to a hot take I can give you is that as a teacher who taught all of last year, I am so sick of saying, pull your mask up over your nose, over your nose, pull your mask up over your nose. Mm. hundreds of times every single day yeah. i am so sick of saying that to just be able to like you know what i yeah don't i don't know your parents signed a piece of paper you don't have to wear a mask i'm, I'm moving on with my life i don't mind that part of it and then like the rest of my brain says oh but this could definitely lead to children dying so so maybe i should just suck it up and say pull your mask up i you no. know it's do you wear a mask at work brad yes yeah, uh, I we employees have to wear I'm at. Oh, okay, so, okay. Um, so technically, I didn't know, I didn't technically know it's mask mandate for everybody where I'm at, but students' parents can sign a piece of paper to uh. to man to opt out. So, um, because otherwise, uh, our wonderful governor has decided to cut the pay of our board members and superintendents if they make a strong mask mandate. Uh, because Florida. But anyways, moving on. Another hot button in Florida. My next dig it or dish it for you guys. And we'll let Mike go first this time. Uh, we're going to talk about vaccine passports. Uh, See, we're we... riding the slippery slope to communism here. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. <laughs> and, yeah. I, and so so I am, um, I, I am dying for a vaccine passport. Um, I, I am very much digging that as well. Um, I want... The people who have done the right thing to have the um, privileges and freedoms to be able to do, you know, something relatively normal in their lives again. And um, I think that vaccine passports are the way that the people who are, are being safe can be treated like they're being safe. Um, and the people who aren't can, you know, they love to tell you that things have consequences and choices matter and you know, whatever, and this is the consequence of their choice is, yes, yes, you are going to be slightly shunned from parts of society when you're around other people because you made a, um, a dangerous choice to the people around you, and that is the consequence of that choice. So bring on, give me any sort of passport, identifier, 
certification, a mobile app. Give me something to show that I made smart choices, please. Yeah, I'm also a dig on it. I mean, I this in my mind, it's not that a new thing, right? Like when you go to certain countries that you know they, they require you to show that you've been inoculated against certain things because sure. otherwise they don't want you to come, right? They, they've seen the consequences of you know certain kinds of fever and and malaria and you know if you're not willing to be a part of the collective solution then you know they're just going to save themselves the trouble of inviting you in and being part of a collective problem that you know brings your personal decision you know to bear on other people who didn't ask for that and so you know i definitely you know understand people who you know feel targeted by that people who think it's unfair and i definitely dig that we're doing it yeah uh, we are not doing it here uh, for the same reasons we're not mandating masks because Florida, uh, by the way, which is ironic because the cruise industry is one of the major job producers in the state of Florida, and it's completely shut down because the CDC says we can only do cruises if we actually allow a vaccine passport, and DeSantis says we can't run cruises if we run. Anyways, welcome to Florida. I uh, so yeah, I'm a I'm a dig on 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 uh, on vaccine passports. Not only because yes, like everything you guys said, hundred percent. I think you know, and I think the if you watch social media at all right now, and you're in any sort of left leaning social media, the idea of you're choosing to not do this, like you're exercising your freedom. We're all agreeing that you're choosing, you're exercising your freedom and not getting yeah. a vaccine. That doesn't mean you're free to do whatever you want. Like, that's literally how freedom works. Like, there's consequences to those choices, right? And also, these are a bunch of people who have never actually found themselves in a minority and all of a sudden are actually feeling the pain from all the decisions that they've done their entire life that have made them the majority and made the minority feel out of place. But okay, cool, whatever, I'm going to let that one go. And But, like, I just want vaccine passports so that the cruises can start back up. I actually don't want to go on a cruise whatsoever They're, they were disease-ridden small spaces before the pandemic so like i don't really need a cruise <laughs> but like the cruise industry is kind of important to my area so i would just kind of like vaccine passports so we have those back um i got one more and then we, we can go to noah's surprise one so uh my last one is you know we're, we're in places where schools are starting to open back up in some places in small doses or whatever else so uh, I'm going to talk, what is dig it or ditch it blended learning, like a hybrid model where teachers are teaching face-to-face -face and online. And uh, Noah, you're on first on this one. Do you know, I, I guess uh, you kind of said two different things in my mind. If it's hybrid learning, I'm going to go ditch it. Uh, blended learning, I, I think, is distinct from hybrid learning. I think that blended is something I dig, and I, I think that you hear less and less about blended learning because you know something that's happened over the last five years and definitely over the last two years is that you know what we used to you know talk about at conferences and in PD is, is blended learning is now just called learning. Um, but it, when it comes to the the hybrid approach, I, you know, I, I've been fortunate that I have not had to do that. I have friends and colleagues who I've seen do it and excel at it. I, you know, I don't think it is impossible. What I do think is that it is completely cruel and, and just not just and, and not what you know, anybody's, you know, should be reasonably expected to do. It's just, you know, it's just not fair. You know, and if there's, I, I guess there could be models for the hybrid, yeah, where the remote side is not viewed as an add-on you know they're more just watching what's going on but the way that we've seen it run where teachers are expected to essentially 
you know, do two jobs at the same time is, is a hardcore ditch for me. Yeah, I, I agree with Noah, too, is, you know, no one wins. Um, it just seems mm-hmm. like everyone gets, even in the hands of a really good teacher, you're still getting, you know, um, below their best at both, as opposed to getting their best at one or getting... Cheryl was a fantastic... My wife was a fantastic online teacher during during the, the time when she was teaching 100% from home. And there were teachers that just absolutely thrived teaching online, loved it, and I'm all for that. And obviously there are, you know, millions of teachers that were very good teachers in the classroom. Um, but I, I can't imagine, I imagine there are people that feel like they did this well, but I can't imagine there are many educators who sat back and went, you know, I taught everybody amazingly the entire time I was doing hybrid teaching. I can't imagine that's possible. And, and so that's unfortunate because they're not getting students. Students are the people who are losing in, in this situation. It, we're stuck in some cases, I suppose, um, in this situation a little bit. Um, due to, but, I mean, it's what well, we've talked about a million times. It's funding. It's budgets. It's, you know, local elections, you know, choosing to prioritize things over other things and then having no money so that you can hire more teachers. There's lots of, lots of reasons why we had to choose hybrid. And some of them are choices, um, that end up, you know, biting us in the ass in the end. Um, so I, you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm ditching hybrid if, if we can at all possibly ditch it. You know, I, uh, as someone who did it all of last year, you know, supported teachers in doing it all of last year. Like, you know, as, as most people probably know, I was a digital coach for the last seven years and before I became an assistant principal and overnight, the entire world needed me to help them with stuff, especially in my district where I was one of very few digital coaches. Um, and so I helped teachers with this all year and like found, helped them find strategies and everything else. And, and at best, I found strategies to keep people afloat and it was awful and I was so excited for to just go to a year where we were just face to face and and as as awful as that is because really that's not necessarily better at this point but I know we were losing teachers left and right to this in this profession because they just could not maintain the stress of it and then now it's like we got through it and so I can't I I'm I'm ditch hybrid right like I'm ditch hybrid except I'm not a hard ditch because right now we now have classrooms full of 25 30 kids in the middle of a new variant coming out and it's like ugh, i don't necessarily want to teach hybrid i really don't but want to make my to teachers do it in the class right? but i'd love to have half the class size man i'd yeah. love to have half the class size yeah. like i you know and so like you said the constraints of budget the constraints of trying to build classes and running the master schedule and everything else like it makes it nearly impossible to do it real effectively um but I, there's also consequences of ditching it. So I, I'm a ditch, but a ditch with an asterisk, I think, on that one. So I, it's hard. It's hard to deal with the realities of it right now. Totally. So, Noah, you, you, have, uh, you have a topic, I believe. And we don't know what it is, as always. As always. Um, but we're, we're going to let Brad go first on this one. Um, Brad, the rock group, the crash test dummies. Dig it or ditch it. <laughs> the crash test dummies. Wow. That's a throwback. Um, 
Just dig it. I mean, I don't, I don't, why would anyone be ditched that? I don't understand why anyone would ditch the crash test dummies. I'm dig it. I'm dig it. I'm in. I don't even know. Like, is there a debate here? Is am I am I stepping into an internet corner I don't know about? I'm, I feel bad, but I'm I'm dig it. I'm digging on the crash test dummies. You would have the Canadians after you. And would I? They don't like the crash test dummies. No, the the crash test dummies are a Canadian band. Oh, okay. So if I was against the crash test dummies. Oh yeah, yeah. You'd have problems mm -hmm. with me specifically. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. You can't. <laughs> yeah, you, digging crash test dummies. That sultry deep voice um i forget the name of the lead singer um wish you know a lot it's funny a lot of 90s canadian rock bands are making pretty legitimate comebacks right now um big wreck has been on tour quite a bit our lady peace just released a, a cd which is uh, not a cd because no one releases cds anymore but that's showing my age our Lady Peace. That's how just, 90s bands come back. They're like, screw it. I want a CD. I don't care. <laughs> there you go. Our Lady Peace just released an album. Um, and and from all accounts, it, it sounds great. And they're going on tour, uh, which is unbelievable. Um, the Watchmen are out on tour. And, uh, you know, so maybe it's the time of the crash test dummies. Uh, I would be all for a post-COVID Crash Test Dummies comeback tour. Uh, maybe they could open for Genesis because I'm going to see Genesis um, in the fall. Another, an, an even older band than Crash Test Dummies. Uh, so imagine Crash Test Dummies opening for Genesis. I'd be, I, I'd be all for that. It's, uh, it dig, I dig in Crash Test Dummies all day. Friend. Listen, any band that can make a song whose title is just the letter M twelve times in a row, like it's not. That's not the name of the song, though. <laughs> it's called. It is. Isn't it called Super? It's called Superman's Song. Yeah, I think the official name is Superman Song, but still, yeah. I mean, Maybe everybody knows it is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brad, I, I, I was that was actually a joke question. I just learned that they were a Canadian band, and so I just had to ask it just to see Mike's reaction. Just to see, uh, Mike. Well, yeah. I would have right, been angry it. if I ditch it. I ditch it. Screw those guys. <laughs> I'm ditching you. Ditch it. <laughs> This is Ava Gay Blackford, another facilitator within the Teach SDGs community. I believe that education is the most powerful force to encourage human rights and dignity, to wipe out poverty and strengthen sustainability, to build a better future for all. I think others should join this community because it creates a support network for members and serves as a global gathering place for teachers to share stories and support one another as we all figure out what learning looks like during the current global pandemic. To access hundreds of resources about the global goals and to connect with almost 1,000 educators around the world, join the free Teach the Global Goals community. Visit go.participate.com slash global goals to get started. Uh, no, I, I do have a serious dig in her ditch. Though, you know, and something that we're oh, starting perfect. to see is, you know, uh, you know, it, since Brad came in with, with some serious hot button topics, you know, with the whole CRT, the critical race theory, um, you know, and, and folks are, are res you know posting on social media where they're getting notes from parents saying, you know, you need to submit your lesson plans to me every day. You know, I, I need to see your lesson plans, and so. You know, I, I'm kind of wondering, dig it or ditch it, guys, not just exclusive to the CRT controversy, but in general, 
posting lesson plans your daily for parents dig it or ditch it and we'll start with mike i mean are you kidding me any any uh i i mean that that would be the breaking point for me um i you know as a teacher is if if i had to report to parents uh you know my lesson plans and get their approval um you know th it, this is this is um helicopter parenting jumping the shark if that's at all possible <laughs> um because it's 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 unimaginable to me that parents would have the the gall to 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 say um, to tell me as a professional what I can and cannot or should and should not teach and, and base that on your ideology, your personal ideology, as opposed to facts and the reality of, of history and what happened. And regardless of your, you know, obviously mild leanings towards white supremacy, uh, or maybe mild. not mild, say, mild? towards Probably white not supremacy. So mild. <laughs> you know, um, you know. The fact is that uh, I think I think slavery and racism was ten million times worse than any history book has ever described it. Um, and you know, the sooner we get to the point where you face reality, face history, reconcile with that, and teach it, so it's not repeated. Hopefully. Um, the better and you know your racism um, and sensitivities towards that have no place in my classroom thank you very much so I would be I would be telling parents to pound salt um, as as quickly as possible I, I think that's an old person term I am definitely I was gonna say my, I don't I don't I know that phrase showing my age today sounds like some old white person um, thing they'd say yeah, it's like get <laughs> off my lawn that's, that's... um but definitely pound I salt would... with your critical race theory I'm pretty sure is what they say that's <laughs> they I th it's ridiculous and and shame on any administrator that supports that um shame on them um to you know, for for putting your exposing your teachers like that, there is a there is a bond, a trust that teachers should have with their with their superiors. Um, and any any administrator that sells out their staff, um, you know, is 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 causing great damage. Mm. So not not surprisingly, I'm a ditch it. Um, but I, you know, it's to me this is. Um, about midway through the pandemic, I kind of saw some of this stuff coming because, and I, and I think, I know we talked about it on my show with someone. I don't remember when I've talked about it. I've talked about it a few times, but we saw like this at the beginning of the pandemic, we saw this uptick of, of appreciation of teachers. Like, and it was, it was Mimi. It was like, oh, I couldn't, you know, I'm, these are all going to be an entire generation of kids raised by day drinking and, and all that kind of stuff. Like we saw the memes and like, how did kids, how do teachers do this every day? And, and we saw that stuff. And then there was like a genuine outpour of, wow, this is not actually easy to make a child learn all day. Who knew? Who knew that was actually tough to do? And then we got into that summer and it was, wait, teachers don't want to go back to school? Like, we we did this for six months. We're done. Like, it's their turn again. Like, uh, we did this. We're good for the rest of their entire time in school. So, no, we're done. They need to go back to school, and they need to watch our kids again. And we started to see that decline 
of it went from teachers are amazing and we need to respect them more to what do you mean they don't want to go to work and they want to keep getting paid and it's and it was all this outcry against teachers again of because they were worried about their own family's health how dare they and um this is where that was headed and i think we i think we've talked about it um I, maybe it was off air but we talked about this was the dangerous conclusion of this where we further we somehow managed to further erode the trust in teachers instead of increasing it and this is where we ended up is not only like i struggle sometimes as an administrator asking my teachers to give me lesson plans just day in and day out because like if i hired you i trust you do your job unless i get into your classroom and things are going poorly then we need to have a different conversation but in general i kind of start with a place of i hired you i trust you let's move on and like do your job and 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 let's let's do it and i'll give you feedback on minor parts of how to you know maybe better engage kids or whatever but now we're asking teachers to provide lesson plans to parents and first of all if i provided a legitimate lesson plan to a parent it would be like a foreign language to them they wouldn't know what to do with it so they wouldn't be able to effectively judge it even if i did provide them with a lesson plan let alone would it be a valid question for them to ask like I, what am i gonna i'm sorry i can't rate i can't teach your child until you provide me with your most recent tps report i'm gonna need that on my desk Ugh, like now that's gonna need to be i'm gonna need a TPS don't forget report the cover sheet. Teach a kid. Yeah, don't forget the cover sheet on that tps report so <laughs> it's it does it's not a two-way street it's absurd it's ridiculous it's I'm, I'm ditch it. I'm ditch it. I get as a parent being concerned about what my child is being taught. I, in, I worry that the other side of it, of I worry that my son is going to school and being taught that racism was about, you know, people getting work for a limited pay and they got below minimum wage. Like, I'm worried that that's what my kid's being taught because that's definitely in not what places, slavery was. And that's what's but, happening in some places, too. Like, every time he comes home, it's like, it's Columbus Day. I'm like, he never came to America. Neat. And we have a whole different conversation at home, but it's fine. You know, I just, so I get both sides of it, but no, no, no lesson plans to parents. Sorry, I'm out. Guys, our, our uh, harmony of full agreement on dig it or digit for this episode might be about to come to an end. Um, oh, what? <laughs> oh, I'm excited. Now, I'm now so I did, excited. I did caveat this, that, that, that I was speaking in general terms, not exclusive to, to the CRT issue. I, I, I definitely am a hard ditch on, you know, chasing a boogeyman that d it does not exist. I, I think that that is just a complete absurdity. I do, you know, think that there might be some value if we open our minds to sharing lesson plans with parents. And I, I, I would caveat that with, you know, Brad's point, a lesson plan like what we learned how to do in, in you know, teacher school and like a, a, on this, you know, full on template is probably overkill and unnecessary. But a, this is what we did today accounting, um, you know, I, I think is, you know, th th there's some value to that, you know, for teachers who get in the habit of doing that every day. Um, at the end of class, just sending out a blast on, on, you know, back in the day, I used to do it on Edmodo, then Google Classroom. Now I do it on Canvas. Say, this is what we did. You know, for me personally, I, I find great value in that for the students who weren't present, that it saves me having to do a homework folder or, you know, having to, having to respond to, you know, hey, mister, what did I miss? You know, and I think that if it's information I'm already creating to share with students, it also, you know, is an opportunity to over communicate with, with parents to let them know, hey, this is what's going on. So when your students saying, you know, they didn't do anything to what, you know, when you ask them, what did you do in school today? And they're like, nothing. 
you, know, you can go in and refute that. This is what they did in school today. And so, um, you know, I, I don't want people to take it the wrong way where I go when I say I, I'm digging, providing parents with uh, daily plans. You know, I think that, you know, caveat, brackets, asterisk, an accounting of what we did in class, uh, I'm digging it. And uh, and I hope that uh, we can still be friends, Mr. Washburn. <laughs> I think what you're talking about is, is completely different than the context of what's happening right now with these Freedom of Information Act requests and, and, and that nonsense. Sending kids I, to school with body I, cams, I, like... I, no, I'm out. I've I've had teachers. I, I've I've done it myself. You know, done monthly newsletters. Um, actually, um, at, at at my school, one of the things we did um, was stop posting on the bulletin boards on the in the hallway. Right, the classic boards on the in the hallway. We stopped posting student work, and 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 as a school, we um, started putting on the boards you know more um what we were learning so every unit so i had four units in my year um and so every unit every time i changed i changed the board quarterly to a new board that reflected what we were learning and and actually one year i even wrote up a page and put it stapled it to the board as a like a an informational pamphlet that parents could take out of the board and take home with them and it was like a flyer for what we were doing um you know i'm all for um sharing and that's what lmss do especially in elementary school the primary purpose of lmss in elementary school isn't necessarily for the kids it's for the parents right to for the parents to stay on top of their kids and making sure they get their homework done and and just showing them what they're doing i i think we're talking about different things a little bit, uh, at least I swear to God. Yeah, that might that might have been a little bit of a, <laughs> a, of a you know, trick question on my part, you know. But no, it's just no, it's just being contrarian. That's all. No contrarian take, but also I, I think that there is also you know we are going to see from some of the you know tinfoil hat you know side things, which you know we're unfortunately increasingly finding is a whole lot of people, you know that they're going to take a refusal to do it as a affirmation that you know oh, this non-existent yeah. boogeyman is there right Be, because you won't let us tour area 51 that means that there are aliens there right and yeah. so be, because you won't share what's going on in your class you must be covering this thing that even you don't understand well enough to teach it so that but it you know nonetheless because you're not willing to talk about it we're going to take that as as affirmation that that it's there right well but i mean that's not gonna we're in a post-fact era it doesn't matter what we do. That is all going to happen regardless. Like, so, I mean, I get it. I, I'm with you. They counted I counted the ballots in Arizona anyway. Five times. So. They counted them 15 times. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> I, you know, it's, I, I agree with you, Noah. I see your point. And, and I do. I've actually advocated to teachers, especially in secondary before, saying this is what elementary teachers do. And it's very effective to tell, te tell parents what we're talking about. I've seen it work in my own classroom. It, it's different to be like, okay, this is my unit. And this is what we're talking about for the next three weeks. And this is my day-by-day -day lesson plan. And please make sure you pull it apart to find something you can object with. I think mm. there's there's a there's a wide range between those two oh. things. And tell me why you tell me why you object to it, so that we can make it clear that you're a white supremacist, please, or <laughs> or a homophobe, or whatever. Like, please, please identify who you are. 
to the rest of us by telling me the problem you have with my lesson plan about the reality of Columbus. Um, you know, please. I would actually love that. In fact, you know, maybe maybe you can make the case for doing this just so the racists self-identify. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, and, I, and the I'm wounded, at... and the wounded. As somebody I recently heard say, "Say hurt people, hurt people," and so I'm trying. That is my attempted at empathy with, mm. with what's going. I'm observing in the world is to you know, start from a place of positively assuming that that their outward, you know attempts to cause hurt are coming from a place of having been injured themselves. Oh, um, not to excuse, it's but just to exercise perceived empathy. lack of domination of the entire culture of our country. But like, whatever, it's fine. It's the same thing. It's... Under a different name, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Noah, it's been too long, and let's not make the next time um, longer. Um, you know, it's been great to see you. Hopefully we can um, see you face-to-face sometime soon you know the borders are open but you know eh, well, hopefully they dudes. stay open hopefully they stay and congratulations on, on 200 episodes i mean anybody who's you know attempted to i mean, do anything you know i can get 10,000 steps a day is hard to keep a streak going right but to, to do a podcast you know and not lose steam after you know one season after you know six eight episodes to keep it going 200 episodes is a feat and you know just mazel tov on that and you know, one uh, quick plug, you said, Brad, you did mention Bad Summit before for people who don't know about it, thebadsummit.com. Um, there may be an exciting new update by the time this episode comes out. If not, keep hitting refresh for a few hours, and maybe by then there will be an update. But there will be a 2021 uh, Bad Summit. It is going to be free, and it is going to be at the end of October uh, for, for on a single day. Please do uh check it out consider coming once information is available maybe mike and brad will drop uh, something in future show notes as well for you of course. and there will also be a, a at that event a, a really exciting announcement about what the future of bad summit is going to look like for a um right after i said ditch it on hybrid for a hybrid uh in person <laughs> and virtual bad summit beginning summer 2022 um in a really beautiful place that is no longer uh chasing around Isti, but in a great place to come visit in the summer that, that has mountains and, and fresh air around. I, that's uh, that's uh, that's exciting. I'm I'm excited. Listen, interesting. If, I'll come visit All anytime. Right. I could go for a DBC anytime. Denver Biscuit Company is life. <laughs> just saying. That's cinnamon biscuit. Cinnamon roll biscuit is life. Just just saying. Awesome. I like it. Well, Noah, guys, all thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, thanks guys. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Brad Treffler. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the On Podcast Media Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Monica Burns, Mike Matera, Tisha Richmond, and many more by visiting onpodcastmedia.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found at Brad Shruffler. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you would share it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Participate, for supporting us. Check out participate.com to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening, stay awesome, and see you soon.